it's sometimes in those moments between or heading up to these these quote-unquote pinnacles that you really find out who you are. And I think we all as individuals have this innate desire to chase the unknown, like chase like who we think we could be. What is up, everybody? My name's Dan. I'm here with my boy, Wang, and we are the host of the No Names Podcast. Yeah, so last episode, we covered a couple things. One of the things was our Toronto trip. So we were just trying to figure out, obviously, with the whole COVID thing going on, we're not too sure when our next trip is going to be. But let's say, hypothetically, by like February, right? Everything kind of blows over. Where do you want to go next? I think uh, we talked about we one of the places we shot around was Houston. Like, Texas is such a cool area. Yeah. Um, your boy, Christian's down there. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think there's a lot happening there. I've got a buddy there that's um, starting his own thing. And I, I think Houston's probably on top of our list. I know we had shot around the idea of LA too, but um, Houston seems like a pretty cool spot. Yeah, I think one of the biggest reasons why we want to go there, obviously, is if you don't know who Christian Guzman is, he's this YouTube influencer, fitness business does kind of everything but mostly in the and fitness jack of world. all trades yeah. to say the least but but started off mostly in the fitness world and he's kind of had this uh project going on called alpha land and you can you can find this on his youtube channel but basically it's like a disney world of fitness right so it's like he's got like what two or three gyms there like a hotel all, all of There's his workspaces too workspace right? i haven't seen like, i haven't checked in on in a while yeah but it's it looks really really cool and i think it's on our list of things to check out probably make some cool uh travel vlog content but uh, for me, at least, he's one of the really big influences in my life and in the creative world as well, just because he kind of just has this mindset of he's just, he's a workaholic, that's for sure. Like yeah. he works. The dude crazy, sleeps crazy like what, two hours a day? It's got to be. Exactly. Like so that. I think for me, at least, he's one of the top influencers. And even though he's like a fitness guy, like his influence kind of goes over to everything because his work ethic is just something that he basically built his gym from like ground up, right? He had like yeah. nothing. I think his story was basically he started in a garage with like a few hundred dollars that he saved up. And then now he has one of the most famous gyms in the world. So for me, at least, I, that's just something that I just, like I said, creating, right? He created something out of nothing, which is something that we at least yeah. care a lot about. And kind of seeing his path, it is exactly what the No Names podcast was, right? He was a no name and he ended up being one of the biggest faces of, of fitness now. So I think that's just super yeah. cool. Not, not even, like, what's crazy is not even he's built the the brand Alpha Lead and yeah. into this huge thing. I know he collaborates with Ghost, like, on their, like, all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. like, he opened the door for, for so many people with a similar mindset just because he was the first one through it, like, carving, carving a pathway. And um, a lot of those guys, they, like, the Steve Cooks, Christian Guzman, yeah. like, Colin Von Moger, like, all those guys, like, have, have kind of carved their own path, like, all with different um, within the fitness realm, but like changing the, um, I guess the outlook, yeah. right? In the fitness industry, yeah. a little bit different, bringing more of a face to it than just brands. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing is that with the whole fitness world, I guess, they, when they vlog and when they put content out, they're not just vlogging like what they do, they're kind of vlogging their, their lifestyle, right? It's yeah. like, not only, it's like how does fitness and this whole creative world where they're putting on content like, on a weekly or even daily basis, depending on what time it is, how that influences their daily life and how their whole lifestyle is wrapped around it. I think that's what intrigues people is that they're not just marketing or selling this fitness, whatever, but they're selling this entire lifestyle of just trying to better yourself, whether it's health or whatever, it's being creative, or whatever it is. It's like this entire package deal of just being the, the best version of yourself that you can be, which I think is why people draw to content like that is because 
it's almost like that's a lifestyle they want, right? And they're yeah. watching people live it out. So now they're getting ideas for themselves or it's motivating them to go do whatever they want, whether, like I said, it's in fitness world or whatever it is. So Yeah, and I think it like it, it alludes to the fact of um, creativity overall. Like, mm-hmm. it... it we brought it up last week. We or last episode, we talked about um, how we felt a lot of people influence us in mm-hmm. our lives, and and throughout the duration of your life, and even like from month to month, those people are going to change, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. you know, we called it the top five, but I I think like you know, some weeks it's going to be three, some weeks it's going to be eight. Like yeah. it it really just depends because when I I was kind of thinking about this is like we always say five, just like it's it's a it's a number that it, it's nice. Yeah, it's a pretty exactly. number. And um, I was trying to think of five, and I, I feel like I have slots almost. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of mine, like I was getting to the fifth one, and uh, it was like a musician almost. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I was just like, all right, this changes mm-hmm. week to week, depending on my mood, like depending on who I'm editing with, who I'm like. If I'm doing pictures, like I'm just spacing out a lot of the time. Um, if I'm working on like prospecting, like stuff like that, like it might be a completely different musician, completely different genre. Um, I think like just kind of the the top five people like for me right now even like not even just that but it's um i just finished shoe dog that's one of my favorite books now hands Mm -hmm. down (laughs) like i i just related to a lot of you know he was a Mm no-name and he started out with um like he went to oregon and stanford i believe Mm -hmm. and then um he started like he did this journey all across the uh the world like studying all these different um cultures and everything like that and he wanted this he had this big dream was to start a shoe company with the manufacturing like outsourced in japan and Mm -hmm. everything like that and dude started selling shoes out of his car (laughs) um it, it was crazy to see the growth of that and how he kind of tailored it was like uh or at the end he he talked about um he wanted this to serve as a guide. Mm-hmm. He wanted it to say it's not going to be easy. And he like he greatly depicted like the struggles that they had. And um, I think he showed the struggles more than anything. He kind of downplayed Nike being yeah. you know billion dollar company and yeah. all this. So it's it was so cool. And um, I I think like for me right now he's kind of like at at the top like in no order. But um, he's definitely in there. And another guy that. Um, that's really been up there is Blake Pinsker for me. I mentioned him in the last podcast. He's got his own um, working with movement. And like he, I love how he talks about marketing and yeah. I love how he brings on um, a lot of people who are CEOs um, or CMOs or they started um, a business, something along those lines. It could be an influencer, anything like that, but it's so marketing heavy and being a marketing guy, that's, uh, I, I really found it interesting to, hear the people that he brings on and it's it's like the smaller phil knights of the world they're not all making billion dollar companies but i mean hundred million dollar acquisitions aren't anything to you know throw shade at yeah and then if you don't know movements just this watch company and i think a lot of it started off of their marketing they were not one of the first but they're one of the more successful companies that used influencer marketing i think which Mm -hmm. you don't if you don't know it's kind of what it sounds like basically they pick influencers whether it's youtube instagram whatever social media platform and give them free products and then give them like a code like if you use my code then you get a discount and yeah that's then very you get into now. affiliate marketing exactly there's yeah. so many different avenues you yeah. can go with that yeah. but they blew up they're they're a huge company now and a lot of it came from influencer marketing and using different marketing tactics that 
I mean, they don't really have stores, right? It's all unless they sell it. Oh, uh, they they are now after they they were acquired by Movado. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, but when they started, is what I'm saying. Yeah, when yeah. they started, it was all through. I believe they used Shopify. Yeah. Um, which Shopify, speaking of which, has yeah. exploded yeah. since uh, since this year. But yeah, um, yeah no, it, it was cool. They um, like hearing their story, like working with all these creatives, like at Jacob, he. Um, he was like one of the first people that reached out and he did all these like that's where the lifestyle came in that's where influencer marketing really started yeah, yeah. um well i don't think like necessarily that's where it quote unquote started yeah. but it definitely um they ushered in a new era of marketing just because they were one of the first brands to really hit social media by storm like that that's where all their marketing started too which is crazy so kind of going back to what you were saying about having those top five, right? And to kind of segue back to what we were talking about last week, when we say top five, we mean kind of at any given point, no matter what you're, what you're doing, there's, we say five, five people that influence your decision-making, your lifestyle, your habits, whatever. Creative process. Exactly. So like whatever task you're doing for me, whether I'm working, whether I'm creating something, whether I'm working out, et cetera, there's always people that influence the way you do things. And that's what we mean by when we say top five. But for me, I think that there's more categories, right? So if I'm in the fitness world or whatever, there's people like Max Schooning, Christian Guzman, uh, Barquan, people that have built something out of nothing that influenced me. But then if I go towards like more work style, there's a few YouTubers that come to mind. The first one I think of is uh, Matt Diavella. Some, I can't pronounce his last <laughs> name, but basically his whole YouTube channel is kind of like that self-help category mm -hmm. right so he talks a lot about creating habits how to build habits his whole identity is that he's a minimalist so he does things very basic and i think pulling from like obviously i'm not a minimalist i like buying things and having yeah. things right but jim shark 101 <laughs> exactly <laughs> but it's just pulling those key points right there's for him at least there's he's like a minimalist but when you think of minimalist you think of someone that like just has like nothing in their house right yeah. but for him it's more of a mindset whereas he's just like I'm not going to do things that are going to take up my time that aren't worth it, right? Like, he has mm -hmm. thousands of dollars of camera gear. Right? It's, it's allocating the time to whatever you kind of feel is, exactly. like, the most necessary at that yeah. point. And I think I pull from that a lot because, for first of all, his aesthetic on YouTube is awesome. I think he has yeah. a really cool um, vlogging process. He also has a podcast. But that idea of, I think not taking more than you need and putting all your resources on being more productive. Like his biggest thing is productivity, right? How mm -hmm. do you be more productive with working at home or whatever it may be? And I think that looking at what his content is about, even though I'm not trying to be like him, I can pull the key points out of that and then apply yeah. that to my life, whether that is my work or whether that is me trying to create something, right? So I think for me, there's more tiers of like different categories where there's influence in, influencers in each of those categories that influence my life, but they also kind of intersect where just because he's in the more in like the productivity side doesn't mean it doesn't affect my like creative side, right? Yeah. So I, I think, think it all, yeah, like what you were saying, it's overflows. And I, I think the, the more you kind of like opened up on that, it, it definitely makes sense. Alluding to like the musician yeah, like folder exactly. that I, I kind of had filling, but yeah. That, um, I, I think that, the two that I mentioned are really my business-oriented mm -hmm. side. Um, like Phil Knight obviously started Nike, uh, Blake Pinsker, marketing. And then I have more of the creative side. And mm -hmm. I think um, Peter McKinnon probably lives rent-free in my <laughs> yeah. head just like all the time. I think for both of us. You like you go to YouTube and you're 
you know, you're looking for how to do something in Photoshop and you're five minutes away from it, from Peter McKinnon explaining yeah. it to you. And I, I think the other one um, for me in that space at the very moment is like, I'm since I'm getting back into, into video editing and working with product photography, Daniel Schiffer, mm, um, yep. he's another uh, Canada, like Canadian, Canadian. Yeah. Like, dude, they hit them, Chris Howe, like the three Canadians just like doing the work. Um, he has cool content. If he, you haven't seen his stuff, it's like, uh, I know he had like a bunch of videos on Fiverr where yeah. what he did, it was he had, did he put out like video clips for other people to edit or was uh, it? Yeah. Um, so he, he did a, I think it was a pizza shop, yeah. like a pizzeria and he had all the raw files and he sent it or put it on Fiverr and chose like people at $5, people at 10, 20, 200. Yeah. And if you don't know what Fiverr is, basically it's just a website where you can pay people for services but mostly creative services right yeah and then it's basically. like they they'll say their price they'll show like their portfolio and for example if you have raw footage of something you're like i need to make a commercial out of this someone's like i'll do it for 30 dollars, and then you pay them and they give you a final product and exactly so yeah so he did this and he just kind of compared like all the the price points and everything but he is very heavily focused on product mm -hmm. and he um also i work in final cut pro so all of his uh, <laughs> all of his tutorials are through there. Yeah. So that that helps me a lot, and um, so he is one of the big names that I think like I, I relate to when it comes to product photography, and he does like such a cool thing, and I think he's really inventing or like um, innovating in the space of of product and and everything like that. So I, I think he's doing a great job with that. So lastly, I think the the big. Um, folder quote unquote for me of uh like genre of people who influence my mm -hmm. life is probably music yeah just because of photo and video i think like you know it could be anyone from mac miller to lewis a child to uh i think like so mike formerly mike stud is now like kind of right there because he's he has his own podcast and he has all these athletes on so i kind of relate to that but he also talks about um kind of finding purpose and everything like that and he moved from la I think to Arizona and mm -hmm. now um, is really just trying to break away from his old self in terms of like the image of Mike Studd is now he's now Mike. Yeah. And I think he's going to be doing a lot more different music than what people were originally used to. And I think it's cool to see his progression as an artist um, and kind of do that. And, you know, it's always like if you can relate to something, it's, it's going to be easier for you to to kind of put it in your focus and, and see yourself kind of following that path yeah. or a similar path. Yeah. And I don't know if you heard the, the noise I made earlier, but when Dan said he used his final cut, I was uh, had a disgusted <laughs> face just because for me, like we use most of the same software, right? It's all Adobe based, but the one that we always disagree on is he used his final cut and I use Premiere Pro and yeah. it's because Premiere Pro is better, but uh, <laughs> Well, mine comes from a video internship that yeah. I had. So it was like, all right, it's already paid for. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might as well use it. Yeah. So I think we should talk a little bit about our gear just because like a lot of people are either our age, right? They don't have a lot of money, but they want to make content. And I think that it's a pretty hot topic just because Christmas coming around, people don't know what to buy Yeah. Uh, or they want to get like some gear for themselves, whether it's a camera or whatever it may be. But we both used to shoot Canon. You shoot mm -hmm. Sony now, which uh, I don't know how I feel about that, but... I feel great about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I shoot on a Canon 80D. Um, That's your current loadout. Yeah, current loadout. I'm hoping to upgrade probably by the end of the year, maybe in the next few months or so, but I've been shooting Canon for forever just because, like I said, I do a lot of video, and with video, one of the best parts about Canon is their autofocus. I think it's, like, unmatched, but 
obviously Sony has pretty nice products too. I know you just picked yeah, one up, but there I'm like I I was explaining this to my mom and oh my god, dude. You'd think <laughs> I was speaking like some completely made yeah. up language. Um no, so I, I run now with a Sony A seven three. Um and I don't know. I always feel like you want to upgrade no matter when you get your gear. Mm-hmm. Like, you might love it for a week, but then like, oh, I wish it had, you know, for me, more megapixels so I could blow up prints. Or, <laughs> like, I wish, um, you know, I could do higher frames per second. Like, yeah. whatever it is. But I love mine now just for the versatility. Because I, I found that I'm getting booked for a lot more photo shoots um, and the videos are big. So, like, I mean, Sony does really well in low light. So, I love that yeah um it's really good hopefully get back into concerts once everything opens up but um i think the biggest thing that i've been surprised by with or by like just shooting with this is people are always asking what lens i use and they're always surprised by the answer Mm -hmm. i have a kit lens so (laughs) if you're not aware what a kit lens is when you get a camera it is the lens it comes with and it is a uh, a variable f-stop so it's not all the way throughout like it doesn't have it's that not a prime yeah. yeah it's not a prime or even like the the one i'm eyeing is a sigma lens that mm-hmm. has the same f-stop throughout but um i think that opens the door because people are always like oh i love your work like yeah everything like humble brag but yeah. <laughs> um but people are always surprised that i still use a kit lens it's mm-hmm. like one i'm broke so yeah. <laughs> like trying to get that but um I think it opens the gate to like, you know, it doesn't matter where you start and it doesn't matter what gear you have to Mm -hmm. some extent. I I, I think the gear doesn't matter conversation has a limit. Like it has a ceiling. Yeah. Once you get into like more professional services and everything like that, like it's, you you get to a point where it becomes a a factor. Yeah. That's why people that are very successful does have more expensive gear. Yeah. But it's like. And they also accumulate that over years of a career. Exactly. So for me, I'm in the same boat as Dan. Like I have my ADD that I got. I got like refurbished for like six, seven hundred dollars. That was like a big investment for me. But every camera, every photo that I've ever taken with that camera that's done well, whether it's been featured or been used by a company, whatever it may be. I'm pretty sure I shot that on my 50 mil. Uh, the Nifty prime 50. Lens. Nifty 50, yeah. The lens was like $100 on Amazon. And people are always, like like you said, they're surprised that I'm not using some expensive glass, like $1,000 lens. But I think it's the Nifty 50 for a reason, right? It's called the Nifty 50 because it's, it's a super cheap plastic lens, but the quality of it's super, super high. And not to get into super like technical details, but basically like it can shoot like the photos where the subjects like in frame and it's super crystal clear in the background's all blurry like that kind of effect people really like that in their photography right mm-hmm. and especially portraits exactly portraits for uh products whatever it may be like there's mm-hmm. a time and place for it and most lenses can get everything crystal clear but you need a certain f-stop to get the background blurry and kind of have that like effect where it stands out and, and the, i think yeah the, the like typically called the bokeh yeah and i think the Nifty 50 does that super well at a really cheap price point. That's why like that's a lot of people's first lens. And if I were to recommend anyone to buy a lens, whether they have like a Canon, like f- was it like Mark III? No, what's a cheap lens? A T5, T3. A T- so yeah, that's that's what I started with. Yeah. But the Rebel series. Yeah, yeah the, the, it's like two hundred dollars for a camera, right? And then if you throw like a, those older ones, I yeah. think the T7 is probably in the five to six range. Yeah, but you could get that camera like a t3 t5 whatever and get a nifty 50 for like under 400 dollars probably like if you find it used and you can take some insane photos with it like we've all started there and a a lot of our favorite photos i'm sure now we're taking with a kit like that right yeah so what's what's crazy is like you i i've been seeing like um progressions on tiktok of like Mm -hmm. as photographers so like i 
I'm interested in trying to like dig around and yeah. find like some of my first photos and just look at them like oh god yeah <laughs> like, like I shooting in auto and I had no idea what a shutter speed my was god, like yeah. anything like that but um like I like the topic of where did you start kind of like in in terms of what gear you start with and I'm sure uh not the younger crowd that like the tiktok crowd but, like will yeah. remember these cameras but they were called the flip cameras yeah they had the usb drive directly on them mm-hmm. that was the flip like the arm flipped up and i had no idea how to edit didn't have an <laughs> editing software like anything we literally this is my first youtube channel literally took the raw footage and just uploaded it straight to youtube <laughs> and it was all one shot yeah. there was no sequencing of clips anything like that it was all one shot we threw like a hundred, no, maybe not a hundred, but like 20 videos up there. And like, it was just for fun. And after that, I progressed and got a GoPro because GoPros were sick at that time. Mm-hmm. That was like my junior year, I want to say. So 2013. Um, and then after that, my uh, my sophomore year of college, I upgraded and got my first DSLR, yeah. which was a Canon T5i. Yep, I remember you had that for ages. Yeah. Oh, God. I just upgraded this year, 2020, yeah. to the can- or oh, to the Sony. But yeah. uh, going back to the topic of gear, it's we talk about like you don't need expensive gear, right? And yeah. I think a lot of YouTubers, they harp on that, where it's like, just go shoot, just go create with what you have. And for us, at least, one of the biggest times we did that was when we went to Toronto. Like, we brought our DSLRs we should we used to shoot photos and videos whatever but for the vlogging part of it I think we shot almost all of if not all of it on our iPhone right we just I'm pretty sure every single bit of the like vlogging like the talking was on iPhone yeah and if you were to simply for editing exactly and if you were to watch a vlog like you probably couldn't tell right the quality was great and we even I even shot some photos on my iPhone that I ended up putting on Instagram too but what you have right now, like the iPhone is, or whatever phone you have, like the, it's really high quality. Like yeah. it's, you don't have to underestimate that. You can man. shoot 4K on, I have the XR and you can shoot 4K 60 yeah. frames a second. Which you would never need if yeah. you were just uploading, like that's an insane quality, right? You just would never turn, literally, and you can get like a, a, a gorilla pod. Yeah. And you can get mics now that go into the, mm-hmm. like your phone. You can literally do all of it with yeah, your iPhone. Exactly. And for me at least, I, I was, uh, I just like buying camera gear because it's something we collect, right? I'm minimalist here, but uh, <laughs> but there's this company called Moment, and they make so they make cases for your phone, and they make lenses that attach to the case, right? And it basically covers the camera and uses it as a lens, and it's like cinema quality glass, so it's super high quality. And I think we shot a couple clips with that. On I was our, so surprised at the quality of it. Yeah, that. it was so cool. Yeah, because you had this like bubble. Yeah, it was a wide lens. angle. Yeah, it was like a giant. It's a giant wide angle mil? lens. It was like 14 or 18 Jeez. or something but it was like 70 bucks and then the case was like 20 so it was like a hundred dollars for that right and that's cheaper than buying a buying a DSLR. A dslr like way cheaper right and yeah. we i think we we're in graffiti alley and the the walls were super high we wanted to get everything in it so i just threw that lens on real quick took a couple of pictures took a couple of videos and that was that like it was it worked great for what we needed it for and yeah, it was way exactly. cheaper than didn't you DSLR, your but. SD card fill up too, so you had to shoot everything on your phone? Yeah, I, I forgot to clear my SD card one yeah. day, and then <laughs> I had a, I was forced to shoot on my phone. But uh, I think I would have done it anyways at some point, right? Because to get more nerdy on camera camera talk, I have a the ADD is a crop sensor, which means that whatever lens you use is times one point six, right? So I had a wide angle twenty four mil lens, and it ended up being like around what like thirty something, right? Which isn't as wide as you'd want it. Yeah. So. In that moment, I thought... Still has that distortion to it. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. But I just use it as 
use my phone as the wide angle lens for whatever yeah. needed shots for that. So you really don't need too expensive gear at all, right? Like obviously your phone is expensive, but I feel like everyone has a phone these days. Yeah. And we all started out with budget kits, right? And then we upgraded as we went along. I think for me at least, I tried to when I tried to do like headshots for people. I tried to shoot events for people. I think my first big event was I shot a fashion show for a school. Oh, I forget you worked with the school, uh, like the vedette. Yeah. At so then uh, we did a lot there and that paid for my gear, right? So then overall, I think I, I haven't spent too much money on camera gear over the whatever, like three, four years I've been shooting just because you start with what you have, you work and then you make money, you save it up and you buy your next gear. And then you usually don't need to invest in more gear unless you know you have a job coming up right mm-hmm. so like for toronto i knew we were ha- having that trip so i invested it and bought a new lens right didn't really use it too much i got an 85 mil but it was um i wasn't just gonna buy that lens for no reason right? yeah it was like i knew that was coming up and i knew that was an opportunity to get some cool shots so i invested into that opportunity and hopefully when it when it pays off then that lens will be paid off by whatever you shot with right so it's photography is a very expensive hobby like this whole creative thing is very expensive but yeah the cool thing is you're creating, right? And then you're your own company now. You can sell yourself and your services for other people to make money and buy more gear, right? And, and you can literally like do anything you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Like if you love taking portraits, you can take portraits. That's probably what people think most when they think of like, you know, what you could do first to make money with photography. Mm-hmm. They don't then you can get into like selling prints. Like there are ways to integrate that into a website. That's getting a little deeper. You can automate that, you can outsource it. But I think like circling back to, to kind of what photography means, I, I, I think it means a little s- something different to everyone. You don't really have to be a quote unquote photographer to take a meaningful picture. Yeah. Taking a meaningful picture is capturing a moment in how you see it. We always talk about, we see the world through our lens specifically. Mm-hmm. So each of us is in this sense, a camera. Um, while taking a photo in the moment might not mean much to you, uh, it could mean literally everything to every to someone else. Yeah. Uh, I think Chris Howe talked about it. Uh, he did a vlog. I think it was Chris Howe mm-hmm. um, with Peter McKinnon. And it was Peter McKinnon. His whole story was, I think he did ma- magic. Yeah, um, he was a magician. And he never got a standing ovation. Yeah. And he was the, uh, um, what are they called? The speaker, the keynote. So he was the keynote speaker at this event. And Chris... Or no, I think it was uh, Jared Poland, Frono's photos. One of the two. Um, they took a picture, and as every like he was finishing his keynote, and everyone gave him a standing ovation. And whoever it was that took the picture, they got everyone on their feet and Peter's hand up and blew it up. Mm-hmm. And that didn't mean much to the photographer taking it, but it literally meant everything. All Peter's work, everything to him. So I think that's like the the beauty of photography um even for a split second everyone is an artist and we always talk about this and capturing the world in in the way they view it and i think that is also why you rarely or like never see the same photo twice Mm -hmm. um photography along with every other like art form allows us or allows individuality to flourish like individuality in terms of photography we talk about a lot is kind of what makes us unique as as creators and i think art is a very great way for that to flourish because no one is going to do it the same um but you can inspire one another just by like taking these pictures that 
you know, it, and I keep saying it, it's like it means something to, it means everything to someone. And like I got all these prints, like my girlfriend, she printed out all of these prints for my birthday. I had no idea she was doing it. I didn't know what she was doing. But I came in and she had this gallery wall full of like all my prints. And I'm like, holy shit, like this is the first time I've seen my yeah, prints out. Yeah. Like that is one of the coolest things ever. And I I never really thought about like hanging my own work. I sell my own work, yeah. but I never hang it. And that was like the coolest thing. Like uh, like creativity um, is is just a, an avenue for expression. Yeah. And I think that that was really such like a cool thing to kind of see that come to, yeah. to fruition. You're, you're hard to work and you mm-hmm. don't really see it until, you know, it's in, staring you in the face. Yeah. And I think that when we take photos, at least for me, and I'm sure it is the way for, for you too, is that when I take a photo, I want the person to feel like they're standing next to me or st- they're the one sitting behind the camera, right? Like whatever sounds are going on, whether the weather is wherever they are, like that feeling I want it to show through the photo, right? Because... I think, like you said, you want, you're capturing that moment, right? That split second is now captured in a photo. So, for example, when we were in Toronto, I tried to make the photos feel as cold as possible because we were freezing our asses off. I remember it was it was it was not it was Dude, not. It was warm. like one degree outside. Yeah. <laughs> one degree Fahrenheit. But um, we would. I think we were at the CN Tower right outside of it, and we had a, this great view of it from our apartment, right? So I took this photo. It was of the CN Tower and the building surrounding it, whatever, but. In my camera, it looked like it was summer. It was like super warm. It was, the sun was out, so it looked like yeah. It was I think warm. mine came out pretty warm too. Yeah, so I was like, this just doesn't feel like the right photo, right? So that's the beauty of post productions. You can go through and make it feel like however you want it to, right? Yeah. So afterwards, went into Photoshop, went into Lightroom, made it super blue, darker, colder, brought out a lot of the shadows and everything, and ended up looking like a super super cold photo, which is exactly <laughs> what I wanted, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that. We want to do that because back to like the whole idea of telling a story, right? It's like our story, my story of that photo was that I was standing there uh, shivering and trying to get this one photo for like an hour and then eventually got it, right? And then that is something that I created and now I want you to experience the whole process of it, not just the photo itself, right? And for us at least, like we use our gear and our post-production. I think post-production is a whole different topic that we can talk about as well. Yeah, but it's hours. Yeah, but we use our gear to try to capture that moment. And when it's not always successful, right? It's like yeah. we, we, we have our end goal in mind. We want to know what we capture, but sometimes are, we're limited by either our tools or by what we're capable of. But I think that shouldn't limit us in trying to tell the story anyways. And when we are able to capture, when, when both ends meet right so when we are able to use our full capacity whether that's our our tools our skills and the story we want to tell and they meet and we're able to do that both sides that's when we create a product we're really proud of that's when we create something that we are super proud of because we're able to finally tell that story right Mm -hmm. for example like let's say i really want to capture this landscape but my camera's just not wide enough you know what am i going to do Right. So then that's a moment where you might think about getting more gear. Right. Or you can think about changing the fo- the story you want to tell. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a give and take. But in the end, I think that no one wants to take a meaningless photo. Right. Just mm-hmm. to just to throw it up there. So when we are able to kind of use all the tools we have, all our capabilities, and then ev- use that to our advantage to tell a story, I think that's when the creative process really comes in. So Yeah. And like I, I think you kind of touched on it. Um but it, it 
like some of the struggles, I think one of the biggest struggles creators face, um, and this is just, this doesn't go just for photographers, but it goes for anyone who is making something. Like you could be making a product, you could be an artist, you could be a musician, anything like that. I think the biggest struggle or one of the biggest things that, that kind of comes to mind is self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said it in the last one, but I, I'll probably say this quote yeah. in every podcast, but it's literally self-doubt kills more dreams than anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, I went through it a lot with kind of my um, departure from my old company and taking this leap that um, you really don't know what's next. Exactly. Like I knew I could, um, I had enough built up in savings to like, you know, stretch it. And I had a timeline and um, you you have to, like there's always going to be anxiety. There's always going to be like, you're going to go through depressive states, like especially now with COVID. I think it's it, like you you have to look at the big picture mm-hmm. um i think that's the biggest thing and, and i talk the biggest I, I think a huge thing for me that really kind of helped maybe ease that anxiety a little bit was talking with other creatives who did the same thing so alex i had mentioned him he's like the shy shooters guy like everyone um i feel like if you're somewhat in the photography community here he went through the same thing like he worked i think at I say like Goldman Sachs or one of those those big firms, and um, he he quit. He started seeing his photography start taking off, and he is one of the creators that I feel shows um, not just the end product, but shows that he's a human. Yeah, because you see a lot of these influencers now, and um, I feel like influencer is a different topic that we could go on and on about, especially like my experience with them. Um, but I think he is one of the ones that keeps it really real, especially from a creative process. He talks about like how sometimes like he'll get back and he won't work on a like a shoot from traveling for like six months. He won't touch it just because he'll either get wrapped up or he'll just like you go in these like these lulls of creativity. And I think creativity is dependent on the mood you're in yeah almost um so i think that's like talking with like don't be afraid to reach out to people it's a big thing with Mm -hmm. this it's like learn from uh other creatives who you want to emulate um and for me it was alex and other ones like john uh john batch like jb Uh, i just did a behind the scenes shoot with him like i was lucky enough to like he just messaged me on instagram at like nine Mm -hmm. i was there by 11 so um he like just just reaching out to people, I think, is a huge thing, and yeah. that will they like whether it's you reaching out to someone or someone reaching out to you. Don't like, don't be too like big, yeah, to not reach back down because at the end of the day, life you're gonna climb up this ladder in terms of you know who you are and your your personal growth, and one time or not some or one time or another someone else is going to reach back down and grab you yeah. and help you up the next rung so when the time comes like when push comes to shove you better reach back down and help them up and i i think that's where um you see a lot of growth too yeah and the unfortunate thing unfortunate but also cool aspect of this whole creative world is that as much as we say like shoot for yourself right create for yourself but if you want to do it for a living if you want to 
create as your profession or make a living off of it, right? Like, it matters what other people think. It matters how many likes you get on social media. It matters how many people buy your product, right? And it, Especially when you bring brands and everything into the mix. Exactly. And it's just, when there's a number that determines your success and it's a very visible number for you to see and everyone to see, I think that's where a lot of the doubt comes from. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like you you put something out there, something you're really, really proud of, and it doesn't do well, right? And then not as well as you expect, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, like you get, everyone's going to, people are going to support you for things, but it doesn't do as well as you expect. And then that leads to your next shoot, where now you're worried like, oh, is this one not going to do well either, right? And when there's that visible number there, how many likes you got, how many shares you got, how many people come, et cetera, right? When that number is there in front of you, it's a very intimidating project to tackle because like do you just want to get more likes on it right mm-hmm. but does that mean that people are actually going to see you as a creator right are you going to create to, to create things that people are going to like because it's what's trendy or are you going to create because it's something you want to do right so exactly. this is a huge push and shove of creating and trying to balance shooting for others and shooting for yourself and kind of finding that balance and i think that Everyone's end goal is to shoot what they want and not care about what other people think, right? But it takes a certain level of success before you can truly do that. As much as you say you want to and as much as yeah. you, you do it now, it takes time to get there, right? And when you look at creators now, I guarantee you if I put up a picture that Peter McKinnon put on my Instagram, I would not get as many likes as he does, right? Oh, because yeah. he already built his following. He already did the hard work, right? Now he gets his creative freedom. We're still in the process of getting to that level where we can express our creative freedom, right? Yeah, and I think that's, we talk about the anonymity of being a no-name. Mm-hmm. Like, you can literally try everything. You, if you want to try landscape, if you want to try portrait, you can post literally any, I, I think that's the, the give and take of it, is you can kind of post really anything you want mm-hmm. um, and see what takes, see what people like. And I've kind of found, um, you know, certain things do better than others on my social and now that it, like, I'm starting to build a following and I'm starting to like work with brands, not only um, like on a business end, like shooting for them specifically. uh, I would love to open the door to working with brands and like telling their story through my personal Instagram. So like things like that, I I think it's, it's pretty cool to, um, you know, I think it opens a lot of doors once you, you find your niche and find what you're looking for. Yeah. But that takes time, right? Yeah. It's like right now is the time if, if you ha- even if you already have a following, right? Even if you have a few thousand followers on Instagram, whatever, like shoot what you want, experiment, see what you like, see what content works for you and works for other people. And then from there on, like when you look at like top photographers, right? They all have a theme, right? There's, I can't remember this, it's, his name starts with an F. He, his whole theme is just like these dark greens and blues. If you go through his feed, every photo is edited like that, right? You go to Peter McKinnon, it's a ton of landscapes, ton of super punchy colors, right? He likes shooting products, he likes shooting landscapes. That's the majority of it. You don't see people often. But to get there, there, what you didn't see was the years of work put into it to build that following, to build a name for himself, right? Like, like we say, no names, whatever. But he built a name for himself and now he can express himself how he wants to yeah. right and then people are going to like his his content because they like him as a person they like him as an influencer right mm-hmm. and no one's going to just blow up off of one photo right like you can as much as work you put into one photo as possible it's like you can't expect to blow up off of one podcast one photo one video one whatever right it's all about putting the work in and building yourself up as if you want to be an influencer if you want to be whatever you want to be right it's like that work behind the scenes is what allows you to be creatively free 
and, and at the end, right? Yeah. And then I think a lot of people, and it's not a bad thing to like be creatively creatively free now, right? Because obviously that's the whole point of it. But there's there's a point you have to hit where you can truly be who you want, right? And then I think that a lot of people try to either do that too early or they just don't do it at all. Where the entire time it's like you can see that they're just copying other people's styles. They're just following trends. Like all the photography is trendy photography, right? It's like I remember back in the day, back in the day, the trend was like the super um, like HDR photos of the city, right? Everything's lit up. It's like mm-hmm. uh, it's like everything's glowing basically, and that was like a trend for a while. And then I know a lot of I see saw a lot of photographers blow up because of it, right? But then that's all they did was copy the trend, and now like no one cares about that anymore because it doesn't. Like I had never thought it looked great, right? But it looked mm-hmm. cool, and people had good like advantages of it. But I think that they never found their voice, even though they built up their audience, right? So they did half of it, right? And on the other half, people just shoot whatever they want, right? And they don't care what other people think, which, which, like I said, it's it's a give, give and take because that's what you want. But like I said, we're in a world where other people's opinions matter, right? Yeah, and I, I think like I've kind of experienced this in the fact of my photography. I know like for some reason, most of my Chicago photos do really well. And I love urban photography. I think it's really cool. I love doing stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's not who I like. That's Mm -hmm. not my only avenue. And I think like I have buddies who are in the space that only take pictures of Chicago. That's it. Mm -hmm. And they're really good at it. They 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 do well. And, you know, their names are well known in the Chicago photography community. And that's what you want. Like, yeah, that's that's perfectly fine. And I know in my heart, that's not who I want to be. I that's why I. I I feel like if I go like six images only Chicago I'm like damn I have to break this up yeah. like I gotta like I'm gonna go home and take a picture of a freaking barn yeah <laughs> like there's gonna be a cow out there that looks sweet I'm gonna make it look moody mm-hmm. like I'm gonna figure it out but I think it in like you you alluded to it is um is building up that audience and you like this is where I think like shooting for yourself comes in into place so much and i think gary v talks about it quite a bit he said you could get a lot of likes on um you know like if you're really attractive for instance and you just take selfies all the time but that's not what you like you have a business that you want to like promote and you know that gets a tenth of the engagement that a selfie does then it, it really comes down to what you want yeah and i i think that's that's a huge thing and um yeah, it's it's really tough sometimes, and and you really just it, it's easy to say, and I've been through it. You've been through it. It's harder to do. It's like if it was easy to do, everyone would be an influencer, right? Yeah, everyone exactly. would be having millions of likes on Instagram, right? But we look at these influencers that we like on Instagram, we follow on Twitter, on Facebook, whatever, right? And their content they create, and we want what they have, right? We want to be able to post and have people accept the products we put out enjoy it they want we want people to look at the content we put out and like connect with it whatever right but it it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of behind the scenes of i get like i remember i was really bored one day i forgot what i I forgot why but i was scrolling through peter mckinnon's photos right and then this was like back when he wasn't too big and i scrolled down to like his very first few photos right Mm -hmm. and i was like i could have taken these right yeah and it was only like a few years ago it was like it was a very like humbling experience where it was just like everyone starts at the same place right everyone has the same tools in front of them he doesn't have anything that we don't have like besides like crazy drones and stuff right but like back in the day like he just had a camera and the same software that we have right and 
seeing that made me realize that he built what he's doing what we're doing right now he built it from the ground up he had i think uh, like a hundred likes on that photo right yeah and it's still on this if you scroll now it might still be there like it's if you go all the way down and as you just scroll you can see the evolution of him as a photographer where at first it was a lot of black and whites it was just products and then some people right friends whatever and then you can see that as his following grew so did his style and then his style started coming through and then what he, the Peter McKinnon, like what he's known for now, whether whether that's like these crazy uh, landscapes of Canada or wherever he goes to, right? Those start to come in. And then over time, you can see the progression on his grid of him developing as a photographer. And then by the time he found he had his following, he also had his voice and he also had himself as a creator, right? And I think that those two things should go hand in hand because at first you're just trying to figure out what, what you want to do to begin with, right? And then that's why we're just shooting everything because oh man, like what if I just take a really good picture of a building, right? But I didn't enjoy it, but it did really well, right? Does that mean that now I'm a landscape photographer? I'm an architecture yeah. photographer? I'm going to go take pictures of buildings. Yeah, exactly. And that, so, that's kind of what I was saying with the, the Chicago thing. But if, and I, I we said this last time, and I, I, I kept thinking about it, was like, let's say Peter, for, for instance, if you took, you know, 2010 to 2020 and shrunk that decade in terms of a timeline, you see point A and point B, and the growth didn't occur at point B. Mm-hmm. It occurred between like A1, A2, A3, yeah. A4, like all along that timeline. And that that was the biggest thing is like it's sometimes in those moments between or heading up to these, these quote-unquote pinnacles that you really find out who you are. And I think we all, as individuals, have this innate desire to chase the unknown. Like, chase, like, who we think we could be. And that is, like, the coolest thing about creativity. It's being, you know, who you want to be yeah. throughout the process and yeah. finding out who you really yeah. are. We, we, I think the essence of being a content creator is to create and to be accepted for the work you make, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's no... There's no greater feeling than putting a lot of work into something out of that you made out of nothing, right? And then people really accept that final product, whether it's a photo, whether it's a video, whether it's a business, whatever it is, right? That that feeling is what I think fuels all creators, right? It's that feeling of you did something that no one else did because they didn't want to put the time into it or whatever, or they didn't have the skills to, they didn't have the resources, whatever. You went out, got the resources and did something that no one else did. And now that final product is something that is accepted by other people. And I think that is the essence of being a content creator, right? Mm-hmm. It's that you don't want to create just because you just because it's the cool thing to do, just because it's a trend, right? Like you want to create because you want to create something that's meaningful to you and that's accepted by other people, right? Exactly, mm-hmm. and that that's for me. Like it, when I'm up at eleven a.m. midnight, one a.m. like or <laughs> eleven p.m. Yeah. midnight, one a.m. Like it doesn't seem like work. Like if I'm deep into this edit and you know, it doesn't seem like work to me. It's a passion. So it yeah. that's that's where I think like creating for yourself at the end of the day is mm-hmm. is gonna be great. And then I think for, like when we did our Toronto vlog, when we edited like we planned out I think two weeks to get it edited and then after like three days we were like, All right, we're gonna get like ninety percent of this done. Exactly. Because we both just started working on it and then just dove right into it, like sleep. I don't think I did matter. anything outside of yeah. like I literally worked got off work and then just edited for hours. Yeah. And I think that's usually a cue that you're doing something right. Mm -hmm. You know, when that time escapes you and um, when you're just able to put, like it doesn't matter if you're tired, doesn't matter if you have other things done, you'll get them done early just so you can work on a project. Right. It makes 
the burnout a little bit easier to deal with. It mm-hmm. makes the the trudging like going through it and you know you're gonna eat shit for a lot of the yeah. early creative process, but it makes it all worth it um, when you see that come come to fruition. Yeah. So and I think when we finally finished that vlog specifically and we put it up and we played it, I think it's easy to be like, hey, I wish we did this differently. Hey, I wish we color graded this scene differently. Hey, I wish we voiced this part differently, right? Like that's part of it. But like we said, done is better than perfect, right? And then the fact that we actually created something, it didn't matter of all the flaws that, I mean, I'm sure if me and you watch it now, we would see all the flaws that we would want to redo, right? Always will. Exactly. But what we did was we created an end product, right? And then it was better to have it done and put out there, even though it wasn't perfect, right? But when people saw the vlog and they gave us like feedback, like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I want to see the next one, whatever. Like that feeling was worth whatever work we put in beforehand. Exactly. So, but yeah, I, I think, you know, as, as we, I, I feel like we've kind of run this like through like kind of everything. And I think the biggest thing that we could always say is just go shoot. Yeah. Create more, just go shoot never stop creating however you want to tie that in a bow and make it look pretty that's what you need to do and i think like at the end of the day figure out who you are figure out what you want to be and figure out the process and then the whole idea of just go shoot right it's like yes figure out who you are yes whatever build your following whatever but don't worry about that too much you know like Mm. ignore all that just go just go shoot figure and the rest will come by itself right the more you shoot let's say like you take a hundred pictures every single day right and you create every single day you get one photo you really like for a whole year right i guarantee at the end of that year you'll have a better idea of the kind of photographer you want to be and you weren't going out every day trying to figure that out you just shot and then eventually as the byproduct you figured out the type of photographer the type of career you want to be exactly so that's what we mean by that it's just instead of worrying about your gear instead of worrying about you're following whether or not people are going to like your your work etc if you just go shoot and create eventually people are going to start to see what you see right so exactly tell the world your story through your lens At the end of the day you're going to be proud of it yep what is up it's your boy dan ways thank you for tuning into this episode of the no names podcast If you enjoyed this episode and got something out of it, please give us a shout out on socials and let us know what you think. You can find us on Instagram at Dan underscore Ways and at Michael Q. Wang. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. We look forward to chatting with you in the next one.